Saturday is the Feast of Music for Christian Aid. So if you haven't bought a ticket, uh, you can buy one on the door. Please come and support it if you can. And if anybody is able to give me a bit of a hand, just give me a shout after the service and I'll put you on the list of helpers. And secondly, the warm space for church. Please could you all just pray for the warm space um, and particularly pray that, that people will be you know, drawn to come forward hopefully and join the team. If we can get six or seven couples, it will be probably a couple of weeks uh, over the period each. So, yes, just please play into the warm space um, and all the help that we need from the Lord. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mark. That's a great initiative, so please do get involved if you can. Right, so today we're continuing with our service on the Ten Commandments and this week we have reached number seven, you shall not commit adultery. So Peter is yet again very blessed to be speaking on such an easy subject 
Um, he really does seem to be giving himself a hard time at the moment. But having said all that, it is so important, isn't it, that we grapple with all of God's word, not just the bits we like to think about or the bits that help us to feel comfortable. So as we start our time together this morning, and with that in mind, let's take a moment to pause. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come. Let's take a moment to tune into God and to ask him to speak into our hearts and to change us this morning. Father God, we give this time to you. We pray that you will come, that you will fill this place with your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are a loving, compassionate, forgiving God. And you're also a God who loves us too much to leave us where we are. So I pray, Lord, that you will help us to have hearts that are open to you, open to what it is that you want us to hear this morning. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And so now let's pray this opening prayer together. Please join in with the words in bold type. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day when he can be found. God of all, breath of life, living water, saviour, friend, come as the hungry, feed on his word, come as the thirsty, drink of his love, come as the faithful, worship the Lord. Amen. And that's what we're going to do right now in song. So can I encourage you to stand if you're able, if you want to wave flags, please do. Let's worship God together.
didn't they? And I think sometimes um, we can want to hide from God, hide um, those things that we've done wrong. Of course, we know we can't hide from God, but I think that's often our instinct. So we're going to spend a bit of time now bringing those things out into the light, because that's where God can deal with them, and that's where we can receive forgiveness. So we're going to do this interactively. So, uh, children, this is your time to definitely tune in, and grown-ups don't get off lightly either. Yeah, I would like you to join in with the actions too. So we're going to pray a prayer now that helps us to say sorry to, the, to God for the things that we've done wrong this week. So the, uh, the actions are going to be on the screen that we need to do, um, as are the words that we're going to pray. So let's pray this prayer together now. So let's make a fist. Lord, we are sorry for the times we have got angry with other people. Now point away. We are sorry for the times we have blamed others and seen things wrong in others without recognising how much is also wrong in us. Okay, close your hands up and hold it tightly to your chest. We are sorry for the times we have kept things selfishly to ourselves and not been prepared to give it to those who need our help. Your hands over your mouth, but so that you can still speak. We are sorry for the unkind words we have spoken, which have hurt other people. Over your eyes. We are sorry that we have deliberately chosen not to see the good things we could have done to help other people. And over one ear. 
We are sorry for the times we have not listened to the cries of those who are poor or who suffer injustice. And now hold your hands out in front of you as if you're receiving a gift. Thank you, Jesus, that when we say we are sorry and we mean it, you are always ready to forgive. Help us receive your gift of forgiveness now and fill us with your Holy Spirit and your love. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, the children are going to go out very shortly, not quite yet, um, because I'm going to invite James up. I think they're going out with James and Phil today. And I think you're going to be learning a song. Is that right? So um, James is just going to share with us a little bit about what they're going to be doing. Thanks, James. Okay. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, Phil and I are working with the children today, um, and we're going to look at all of the Ten Commandments. Um, a bit of an ambitious task in 20 minutes, but there we are. Um, and one of the things we're going to do is listen to this song that I found on YouTube. So um, it, it's a song that kind of sticks with you. can almost guarantee you'll be humming that tune and I'll, I'll get Sarah to send out the YouTube link uh, so that you can kind of maybe all sing it next Sunday uh, to, to, together. But uh, are the children going out now? Yeah, I'll pray for you. Okay, thank and, you. Um, yes, brilliant. Father God, we thank you um, for the children and young people in this church and um, we thank you for James and for Phil who are going to be leading them today. Lord, we pray that as they go and um, they think more about the Ten Commandments and as they listen to that song again, 
Lord, I pray that you will bless them, that you will speak to them, and each one, whether they're those leading or those participating, will, will go away with something that is going to help them in their walk with you and their life with you this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Rachel, do you want to come up? So, um, as many of you will know, um, Rachel, um, during, was it July and August yes. this year, um, went on a mission training school with an organisation called Iris Global. And many of you will have supported her, um, whether that was financially, praying for her. And so we thought that this would be a good opportunity, as uh, she and Noah are in town at the moment, to come and share with us something of how that went. So, over to you. Uh, first of all, can you all hear me? Okay, I'll try and speak quietly, uh, loud enough and slow enough. I'm learning slowly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I went to Israel and Brazil, and we had 16 nations represented. Um, a lot of people came last minute. And in some ways, it seemed quite random, but we were all together. We really felt Holy Spirit leading us um, to come together. And um, so for the Israel portion, um, it was just the international students. And we had a tour of the Holy Land. And we had Hebrew um, scholars um, who shared about some mysteries and some revelation that Jews had um, taught them and we really got to feel out the land and I just felt really blessed to be able to be in that place. When I first arrived, um, I didn't feel a lot of love in my heart for that place. I'm sure some of you might find that unless you're there in a place for a long time, um, you don't have that heart connection. But Supernaturally, I developed this heart connection um, to, to Israel and the people. Um, I think primarily because Jesus was, was born in Israel and he spent much of his life there. And so I just felt so dearly loved to be able to be there. And it was such a time to feel refreshment and get to experience the beauty of the land, of the culture, um, in a way that perhaps, yeah, Jesus would have um, when, he was, when he was there. Um, it really brought the Bible alive, and um, it was just really, really special. I had some incredible encounters with Jesus um, that will be with me forever and um yeah and i would say that that's open to all of you just ask jesus i want to see you and he really will reveal himself to you um and then we went to brazil and we joined with about 60 other brazilian people and we had worship for about maybe four or four to six hours a day um singing in portuguese so rather than thinking about um, the what we were the words because obviously I couldn't understand um, just partnering with the hearts with everyone and choosing to be one and the power of speaking the language 
Um, just as when you come to Christchurch, we speak the language here that, that unites us all together. So Holy Spirit supernaturally um, gelled us together. And, and we, ha- we, ha- we didn't have as much outreach as I expected us to have, um, but it was still amazingly special. We, we were in Fortaleza, which is one of the most violent cities in the world. Um, crime is very rampant there, and there are a lot of abused, um, impoverished children. So um, we had very specific tasks to just play with the children and to pray for the children, pray for teenagers. Um, Because there's so much to say, you can come find me afterwards and we can talk more about it. Um, But we, I decided to go on a garbage dump trip and um, the the people who were living in this place, we had to drive like 12 hours to get there. And um, all these people had just been completely abandoned by the government and they, there were lots of problems with domestic violence and grandmas bringing up their, their grandchildren and tiny children bringing up their, the babies there. Um, we were just releasing hope and light and goodness. And um, what was really special is that we had to rely on um, the Portuguese speakers the brazilian people to translate for us it was we really learned to rely on one another we could not do it alone it was it was such a humbling experience to to rely on each other um like family and when i came away from the experience as we were all seeking after jesus with all our hearts it really felt like we we became one and i believe that that will be a massive blessing to to the nation of of Brazil, um, and we, we they do a lot of dance in Brazil, and they're very expressive. So I'd encourage you to to move, even if you don't feel like moving, because there's power in movement and shifting the atmosphere. So we were dancing, and in my mind, I saw this gold sword in the centre of the room. And I believe that it was kind of planted into the ground and that the light will remain there as the light of Christ shines out from that sword in the center of that place, which was um, filled with crime. There are so many things that probably in a couple of decades I will begin to understand what happened. Um, But that's a snapshot of what we got up to in um, Israel and Brazil. And of course, I would like to say a massive thank you for your financial and prayerful support um, because it, I, I would not have been there without you. And I think that's the way that Jesus intended it. So thank you so much. And I just speak a massive blessing upon all of you um, from Israel and Brazil to Christchurch. Yeah. Wow. Okay, let's pray for Rachel, shall we? Lord, I thank you for Rachel. I thank you for all the amazing things that she experienced of you and all the things that she learnt um, through her, her time in Israel and Brazil. 
And Lord, you know the plans that you have for Rachel. And Lord, I pray that you will make those very clear to her in the days ahead. I pray that as with you, um, it's amazing how years down the line, as she's just alluded to, we can see why things that we went through and things that we experience are all part of your plan. And so, Lord, with Rachel, we look forward to seeing what it is that you're going to do in her life, in and through this experience that you've graciously given her. Be with her, we pray. Protect her. Fill her with your spirit. Fill her with your love and your peace. We thank you that you are always with us, wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I think we're going to sing again now. Um, so before we have our Bible reading, which I think Stuart is um, going to read to us, um, let's stand and let's sing, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. And 
There are two readings today. The first is taken from Exodus chapter 20 verse 14, which is on page 78 of the Church Bibles. You shall not commit adultery. The second reading for today is taken from the Song of Songs, chapter 8 verses 6 and 7, which is on page 685 of the Church Bible. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, let's pray for Peter now, shall we? Father God, we thank you for Peter. We thank you um, for the time that he has spent grappling um, with this difficult subject this week. Lord, I pray now that you will fill him with your spirit, that you will fill him with your peace, and that you will prepare us to hear what it is that you want to say to us through Peter. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. Uh, as Debbie said, uh, this is not an easy topic to preach on, so I do need your prayers, brothers and sisters, as we, uh, as we look at this commandment together. But I'm going to start off with a joke, just to lighten the atmosphere a bit. So there's a story about a church youth group uh, which decided it needed to address the issue, the topic of sex before marriage uh, with the young people. And uh, having thought about who to do it, they decided the vicar was the person to do the talk. So the youth leader approached the vicar and asked if he could do the talk. Uh, what date is it? He, he asked. It's the 17th of the month was the reply, what time, eight o'clock? Yes, that's fine. He looked in his diary and he wrote the time in his diary on the correct date. And, uh, but when he came to write it in his diary, he thought he couldn't put eight o'clock sex. <laughs> so it might look a little bit suspicious. So instead he wrote 8 p.m. sailing, which is a much safer thing to write in the vicar's diary uh, in case anybody was to look in it. Uh, so he wrote that instead. So he would know what it meant. Everybody else would think, well, that's sailing, isn't it? That's fine. 
So a couple of days before the meeting, the youth leader rang up, uh, the vicarage rang up to check the details, check that the vicar was available for that, that, uh, that um, occasion. But the vicar was out at the time. And uh, his, his wife answered the phone. Say again? Big mistake. Big mistake. So being a good vicar's wife, uh, she took the matter in hand herself and, and found the, her husband's diary looked up the date and said over the phone to the youth leader, oh, I don't know why you've asked him to speak on that. He's only done it twice. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, fir- the first time he did it, he was sick. And the second time, his hat blew off. <laughs> well, we, we, we know, don't we? We know. We live... We live in a sex-obsessed society. We know, don't we, of course. Everywhere you go, everywhere you look almost, uh, sex is, uh, is used to sell things. It's used to catch our attention. Uh, it's used to make us to think something is really exciting or, or sexy when, in fact, it's probably really quite mundane. And so advertisers uh, use sex to sell all sorts of things, um, from cars to ice cream to deodorants, to holidays, to music, and even sometimes pet food. Don't ask me how, but they do. So the fact is sex sells. C.S. Lewis, the great, one of the great Christian thinkers of the last century, said this, We grow up surrounded by propaganda in favour of unchastity. There are people who want to keep our sex instinct inflated in order to make money out of us. Because, of course, someone with an obsession is someone who has very little sales resistance. And so what about TV? What about all the multiplicity of channels and streaming services that are now available, things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Apple TV and others? And on these platforms, it's, uh, it's sex is seen as a necessary part of most drama series, uh, most chat shows you watch or, or listen to um, that, that is part of the conversation and stand-up comics are referring to sex in their jokes and in the innuendos or all, uh, all, you know, a lot in, their, in their, um, what they're saying, what they're, what they're joking about. And of course we live now firmly in the age of the internet and the smartphone and pornography and sexual imagery is easily accessible in a way that would have been unheard of even 20 years ago. Or what about dating apps or the so-called swipe culture with your finger on that mobile phone, the swipe culture. And there are even apps now for married people who want to fling. Now, this may not be sex and internet pornography may not be something you want to think about on a Sunday morning. But that is the reality of the age we are living in, isn't it? And that is why we need to address this this commandment square on because it's vital for us in our, disciple, in our discipleship in our walk with Jesus and so as I say society is saturated by images and promises about the vital necessity to make sex central in your thought processes but alongside that phenomenon we have another phenomenon which is the fact that in society now marriage is the last place to find sexual fulfilment and happiness So whereas sex in society in general 
is the place to find your true identity and to express your freedom uh, from the shackles of rigid morality, marriage is generally seen as the place where relationships are stale, where the sex is boring or non-existent, and where having an affair is by far the greatest escape route from the life of slippers and TV dinners. But let's get to the point. The seventh of the tenth commandments, the Ten Commandments, is an injunction against extramarital sex. But we're going to widen the topic this morning. We're going to consider this morning how we remain sexually pure, whether we happen to be married or whether we are single. And we're going to, I'm going to look at these issues openly and directly. I've never done a sex talk at this church before, but we're going to look at it today without hesitation, without veering away from it because if we don't because if we don't our lives before God will be in danger of becoming hypocritical we might say with our words we might say with our words we agree with fidelity in marriage or in no sex before marriage but in reality in our hearts if we search our hearts we may really want to relax those rules and argue that surely no one really these days has to follow those guidelines do they? That's why we need to be open and honest about sex and sexuality before God. So, the first thing I want us to do is to consider and realise what is so wrong with adultery. In fact, what is wrong with sex outside marriage? And that is going to look us, help us or ask us to look not only at our marriages, if we're married here, but that also means that those of you who are single are going to be asked to think about what it means to be unmarried and yet still a sexual person. Everybody here is in a different stage of life. Or if you're watching online, in a different stage of life. Many of you sitting in front of me, of course, are married. Some of you may be happily married. Some of you may be unhappily married or going through challenging times in your marriage. Remember, after all, marriage is a marathon and not a sprint. And let's be real about it. Marriages go through challenging times. Some of you will be single by choice. Others of you long to be married. Some of you may have experienced the pain of divorce. And, of course, some of you will have lost your husband or wife. And so I realise this is a a topic, this is an issue we we have to approach with, with sensitivity and carefully and with reverence but whatever the situation you're in whatever the situation you're in God has something to say to you this morning about his call to live lives that are pure and wholesome and attractive so that his name can be glorified through you and that includes your sexuality you see God made sex God designed it. He created our bodies. He created our bodies in a way that they're not only able to express our sexuality, but also to give and receive sexual pleasure. If you don't believe me, read the Song of Songs. It's one of the most erotic books going. And uh, it's in the Old Testament. We read just a bit of it just now. Stuart read uh, some of it. I'm going to read a different verse. This is chapter 4, verse 16. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind. Blow upon my garden. 
that its fragrance may be wafted abroad. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. You can read it on different levels, of course you can, but it is an erotic love poem, there's no doubt about it. And it shows that God is in favour of sex. So sex in God's plan is good, but it can also be, and is, an incredibly powerful drive. Both for good and bad. Sex is like fire. If you handle it correctly, if you handle it well, it can be used in all sorts of good and helpful ways. But handle it wrongly and you will soon get your fingers burnt. So that is why God has designed the place where our sexuality to be expressed safely and securely is within the context of marriage. Marriage between one man and one woman in God's design for our lives is the only place where we are given permission to engage in sex with another person. I will say that before anyone. My bishop, anyone, I will say that. This is something we need to hear loud and clear. Anything other than that, context for sex is outside of God's plan. And the Bible calls sex outside marriage either adultery if you're married or fornication if you're single. This commandment is not only a rule and a standard that God has set for all humanity, it's also a warning. Because in it, God is saying, I made you and I know you and I know what's best for you, so don't go there. So, let's consider why adultery, first of all, is not allowed. We're going to think about the sort of negatives, then we'll get to the positives. So, let's think about why adultery is not allowed in God's eyes. So, firstly... Because it breaks the marriage covenant between a man between a man and a woman that they make in their wedding ceremony, in the marriage ceremony. It breaks the marriage covenants. A marriage is based on love, trust, and commitment. That's what marriage is based on. Love, trust, and commitment. And adultery can shatter all of that and does. Has the capacity to destroy all of those essentials of a marriage. Uh, J. John says in his book, Just Ten, that we're Uh, using as a basis for this series he says adultery smashes the deepest and most intimate levels of trust shatters the covenant promises and breaks down the walls of privacy and exclusivity that protect the heart of marriage and jesus has very stern things to say about this doesn't he jesus words on the marriage covenant should make us stop and think he says in matthew 19 verse 5 for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Which is actually a a quotation from the Genesis narrative, from Genesis chapter 2, from the creation narrative. And so what Jesus is saying is, when two people are joined in holy matrimony, and the bond is sealed in sexual union, then you become one flesh. Physically and spiritually joined, fused together. So adultery not only breaks the marriage bond, it also shatters the three-way agreement that is made in a marriage ceremony that's made uh, at the altar, as it were, between the man and the woman and God of lifelong fidelity. The fact is, God hates adultery. And yet, he still forgives the penitent. Think of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery that we have recorded for us in the Gospels. 
There they are. There's the, uh, the woman who has been caught uh, living in adultery and she's hauled before Jesus. And uh, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, think they've, they've got Jesus now. There's this woman who's uh, broken the law, the Mosaic law. And yet Jesus redefines the law. And he writes in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but he probably was writing, probably writing the Ten Commandments. And so he says to these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, he says, anyone who has no sin, you can cast the first stone. Anyone who's never sinned, you cast the first stone. And they all walk off because, of course, they've sinned. And so Jesus forgives the woman and yet says to her, leave your life of sin. So Matt... Adultery breaks the, the covenant of marriage, shatters it. Secondly, adultery and casual sex in general can lead to people, uh, the people concerned, catching um, sexually transmitted diseases, STDs. Despite all the warnings about AIDS and other infections that can be caught through sexual intercourse, the number of people with STDs continues to rise. And it's now at its highest level in the 16 to 25 age group. I'm going to quote just a couple of statistics. There's lots and lots of them out there. But, for example, in 2022, the government released data to show that gonorrhea is increasing in people of all ages, but it's at his, its highest, at its peak, in those who are 16 to 25. In fact, latest statistics from, the, from Public Health England show that a case of chlamydia or gonorrhea is diagnosed in a young person every four minutes in England. Every four minutes minutes someone is diagnosed with an std now i'm not i'm as i have no delight in saying that i'm not there's no delight in that at all but they vindicate they do vindicate the bible's call for purity and holiness in relationships j john says in his book the only way to be sure of steering clear of stds is either never to have sex with anyone or only to have sex with someone who's, ne- who's only ever had sex with you. It's, there's only, that's the only way to do it. Thirdly, adultery can lead to the breakdown of families. And so the phenomenon we're now in in the Western world, that we find ourselves now in, is that those who are from stable two-parent families are the odd ones out. If you are in a school now, if, you are, if your parents are still together, you're the old one out. And yet breaking the marriage vows doesn't just affect the husband and the wife, it has the ripples and shockwaves that go out and out and out and out. So those are just three reasons, three reasons why adultery is ruled out in God's eyes. Now what about those who aren't married? Well, if those of us who are called to keep the marriage bond uh, in our marriages, we're called by God to keep that marriage bond, then equally those who are single are called to be people who remain sexually pure until marriage. Now, that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I got married at 25. And I've been married ever since. I don't know what it's like to be single for any longer than that. So I don't say this lightly, and I don't say it with any sense of Oh, I, you know, I know what it's like. It's not an easy thing to do to remain sexually pure. It's very sacrificial in the society, and it's massively sacrificial. And I will not patronise anybody by saying otherwise. 
To be a human being is to know and have sexual feelings and desires, whether you're single or married. And yet, God's desire for the single person is that they live a fulfilling and full life without having sex. Celibacy for some is a a calling, for most it is a struggle. So what we need to do, whether we're married or single, is to find our security, our need to love and to be loved ultimately in Jesus. That's the ultimate place to find security and love. That's a daily choice. That's a daily choice. It's far from easy. When everything in the culture around us is saying, this is where you find fulfillment, this is where you find satisfaction. But in Jesus we have the perfect and the best example of someone who never married, never was sexually active, and yet he lived a fulfilling, fully rounded human life. So having thought about the dangers and the the reasons why having sex outside marriage is to be avoided and why God's standard for us is to keep sex within the confines of marriage, let's see what we can do to make our marriages as strong as they can be for the benefit benefit of everyone, be they our families, our friends, and society as a whole. And I've got four things to say. Firstly, and I'm speaking to myself as much as speaking to you, guard your behaviour. For those of us who are married, this means all sorts of things. It might mean keeping the marriage, your marriage relationship alive. And you need to work that out for yourselves, what that means for you in your marriage. But that could be romantic gestures. It could be tokens of love. Showing your spouse you love them, saying I love you to them. Um, Is it Gary Chapman, I think, who wrote the Love Languages book? It's a very helpful book. Uh, If you've never looked at it, um, he talks about the ways in which you express love in a way that's appropriate and all that. Equally, it means not spending time with someone you're attracted to outside your marriage. In a, you know, obviously, you know, you spend time with all sorts of people, but don't go out of your way to spend time with someone you're attracted to outside of your marriage. For singles, this might mean being careful not to get into situations where you're likely to go beyond what you decided are your limits in this area. And never setting out to break the marriage bond of another person. It's that just say no, isn't it? Whether you're married or single, don't put yourself in a situation where it's going to be hard to say no. Guard your behaviour. Guard my behaviour. Guard your eyes. Guard my eyes. Our thought life up here, our mind, is where adultery starts. That's what Jesus says, isn't it? It's in our our mind. It's where adultery starts. Well, it's our heart, really, but our minds work on what our hearts are saying. You know, when our thoughts turn to, ooh, they look nice. That's, you know, that, that sort of, yeah, but listen, we're human beings, aren't we? This is, this is the way we are, isn't it? But that's the cycle starts up here. And the cycle doesn't necessarily inevitably end up in adultery. Of course it doesn't, but that's where it starts in the mind. And so Jesus is very strong. He says, I'm not going to quote the verse, but he just basically says, don't let your eyes roam. You know, he warns us because he says adultery starts in the heart. So guard your eyes. And if we don't deal with it there, if we don't deal with it at that point, 
it can get transformed into action, from thought to action. And so the fact is we've got to deal with our thoughts, we've got to try and capture our thoughts, or it's about getting carried away on a tide of temptation. Now the truth is, of course, we can't stop that tide of the bombardment of sexual imagery that's coming against us and, and to us and at us all the time through TV and the internet and social media. We can't stop that wave that's coming uh, to us. But we can stop the thoughts taking root. As someone once said, I found this quite a helpful phrase, um, it is better to shun the bait than to struggle on the hook. It is better to shun the bait than to struggle on the hook. And again, this is, really, this is challenging stuff, isn't it? It's not easy. But we've got to be intentional about it, rooting it out at that point in our minds. Guard our behaviour, guard our thoughts, guard our faith. By that I mean whether, again, we're, I'm talking to all sorts of situations that people are in, single or married, we are called to, to root our lives in the rich soil of God's love. That's where we are called to root our lives, in the soil, the rich soil of God's love. And so, as I said before, whether we're married or single, God wants us to live a fulfilling life in Jesus. His design as our creator is that we enjoy our sexuality, but that we also realise that sexual intercourse is kept within the confines of heterosexual marriage. He doesn't say that to deny us pleasure, but he wants us to, but it's to increase our enjoyment of it and to protect us from the hurt of sex outside marriage. Also remember... Even if we mess up, God longs to forgive. That's the message of the Bible, isn't it? God forgives those who come to him and say sorry. And there's lots of examples in the Bible of people who do that. David, look at David in the Old Testament, gets it really badly wrong. And he does, in the end, come back to God and says sorry. Or think of the parable of the prodigal son. He eventually says sorry. He runs, comes back to the father and the father's running to meet him. Wraps his arms around him. God is full of grace and full of mercy. He's compassionate. He longs to welcome us back to him when we are sorry. We come back to him. He forgives us, redeems us, restores us. And finally, the last thing I'll say is give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks to God for the gift of sex. Give thanks to God for the good things about our sexuality, for the potential this has to express our love and desire for our marriage partner. As it says in the Song of Songs, many waters cannot quench your love, neither can floods drown it. Amen. Thank you, Peter. <clears throat> well, I'm guessing that we'll all have been affected in some way or another by what we've heard this morning, whether it's directly or indirectly. And so I want us to, to have some quiet. Um, and as we do that, I'm going to suggest um, that perhaps you might like to hold in your minds a picture I wonder how do you think Jesus would have looked at the woman who was caught in adultery? 
What would she have seen in the face of Jesus as she looked up at him? It wouldn't have been disgust. It wouldn't have been condemnation. It would have been love and compassion. And that's what Peter said towards the end of his talk, wasn't it? That there we serve a God who longs to forgive and to restore. And so as we sit with this for a moment, perhaps you can hold that picture of Jesus's face in your mind. Yes, it's really important that we bring those things to him. It's really important that we confess and we make restoration where we need to. But as we do that, as we sit with this for a moment, let's remember that Jesus is full of grace and truth and that he longs to forgive, to redeem and to restore. So we're going to have that moment of quiet before we have our next song. I want at this point as well just to say that there will be um, prayer ministry um, available at the end of the service, whether it's something from um, what we've been thinking about this morning or something completely different. The last time I prayed for people, none of um, the people that I prayed for had come wanting prayer for what the theme of the service had been. So please don't be restricted by that. I will come back to that and remind you at the end, but just to say that there will be prayer available at the end of the service. So we're going to sing um, again now. We're going to focus um, very much on Jesus. Um, And you may want to sit and just continue um, in that place of prayer and reflection, or you might want to stand, whatever you feel you would like to do. Consuming fire is in your gaze. Jesus, I want you to know I will follow you all my days. For no one else in history is like you, and history itself belongs to you. Alpha and Omega, you have loved me, and 
I will share eternity with you. It's all about you. And all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me, as if you should do things my way. You alone are God, and I surrender to your way. Jesus, lover of my soul, oil-consuming fire is in your gaze. Jesus, I want you to know I will follow like you and history itself belongs to you Alpha and Omega you have loved me and I will share eternity with you it's all about you is for you, for your glory and your fame, it's not about me, as if you should do things my way, you alone are God and I surrender to your way. You alone are God, and I surrender to your going to continue in an attitude of prayer as we move into a time of intercession. Um, for our intercessions today, there's going to be um, some words. We're basically going to um, pray through um, the Apostles' Creed, but in blocks, and then I will pray um, a prayer based on um, what we have just said together. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, so let's pray. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Father God, we thank you for the world that you have made. 
We thank you for the wonder and majesty of your creation and the attention to detail we see displayed. We pray that those who hold particular power and influence will take bold decisions that protect our planet and honour you as its creator and sustainer. And Lord, help us all to play our part by making choices that reflect the stewardship that you call each of us to in our daily lives. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice and for his love for us. We thank you that in the person and humanity of Jesus, we see that nothing we can ever go through is removed from your understanding. We thank you that Jesus grieved, was tempted, laughed, felt intimacy, knew rejection, and enjoyed time with family and friends. Father, we pray for all those who are suffering the effects of broken relationships or who are walking the path of singleness whilst longing for a partner. We lift all those to you who are struggling with their sexuality or going through the pain of separation and divorce or of losing a spouse. Lord Jesus, comfort, uphold and strengthen them, we pray. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Father, we thank you that because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope. We thank you that sin, suffering and death no longer have the last word and that there will indeed come a day where there will be no more pain and no more tears. We thank you that you are a God of justice and righteousness and we pray for all those areas of the world where injustice, persecution, violence, famine and disease are rampant. Lord, we cry to you that your justice, righteousness and peace will flow into these places and lives. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Father, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit living in us 
and we pray that we will experience more and more of this each day as we love and serve you and those around us. We pray for your church worldwide that she may be a beacon of light and hope in a fallen world. We pray for your church here in Baston Hill that we will be open and attentive to your voice as we seek to love and serve our community. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Father, thank you that because of Jesus we are forgiven and can live in the grace and freedom that brings. Show us where we need to ask for your forgiveness and to forgive others, especially in the area of relationships where we have been focusing today. Please, Lord, bring healing and restoration in our lives and in the lives of those we have hurt. Thank you that you bring your good work to completion, that in you our eternal destiny is secure, and that one day you will make all things new. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, would you like to stand if you're able to? Um, because we're going to share the peace together. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. So now let's offer one another a sign of God's peace. We can return to our seats and as Ursula comes to lead us in communion, let's turn our attention again to the cross.
and to Jesus dying for our sins on it. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. You became nothing, poured out to death. Many times I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once again. I'm in that place once again. And once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life. Now you are exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day Bow. But for now, I'll marvel at this saving grace, and I'm full of praise once again. I'm full of praise once again. And once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life. I'm going to use communion prayer one. The Lord is here. The is with us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy. It is always right to give you thanks, God our Creator, loving and faithful, holy and strong. You made us, and the whole universe, and filled your world with life. Holy, holy, holy. You sent your Son to live among us, Jesus, our Saviour, Mary's child. He suffered on the cross. He died to save us from our sins. He rose in glory from the dead. Holy, holy, holy. You send your spirit to bring new life to the world and clothe us with power from on high. And so we join the angels to celebrate and sing. Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, 
Jesus shared a meal with his friends. He took the bread and thanked you. He broke it, gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the meal, Jesus took the cup of wine. He thanked you, gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant the new promises of God's unfailing love. Do this to remember me. Jesus Christ has died. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father, as we bring you this bread and wine and remember his death and resurrection, send your Holy Spirit that we who share these gifts may be fed by Christ's body and his blood. Amen. 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 Pour your spirit on us, that we may love one another, work for the healing of the earth, and share the good news of Jesus as we wait for his coming in glory. Amen. 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 For honour and praise belong to you, Father, with Jesus your Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. 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 As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts, by faith, with thanksgiving. Please come forward as the stewards direct. If you would prefer gluten-free, please ask, because we have it available. And non-alcoholic wine for anyone who prefers that, or for children, will be on this side here. Um, as usual, we will follow our, our, what's become our, our routine practice and retain the bread and wine, take it back to our seats so that we can all eat and drink together. If you would prefer not to come up but remain seated, please indicate to the steward and, and someone will then come to you. Thank you.
there'll just be a short wait while we serve those who can't make it up to the front and then we'll share the bread and wine together. And so the body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. And the blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. before we say our prayer after communion together, let's pray for those of our company that can't be with us today. And so, Father, we think of those of our church community who cannot be with us today. And we name them silently before you. We think of those in residential care, those who are sick, those who are housebound. And Father, we pray that your peace and your presence will be with them today and this week. Amen. And we say together our prayer after communion. It's, it's on the screen and it's different to our usual prayer. So let's say together. Gracious God, here at this table we have been in the company of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Redeemer. You have revealed your loving ways to us in broken bread and poured cup. Now, as your light has illuminated our lives, help us be a light to others. Amen. Debbie is going to continue with our service.
Okay, would you all like to stand um, for our final hymn? It's a really good one. It's And Can It Be? Fast found 
to serve the Lord in the name of Christ. 